0: As America experiences the largest number of migrants in one week in American history, Joe Biden ramps up the race baiting. New York prepares for the trial of Daniel Penny, and Ron DeSantis drinks Donald Trump's milkshake in Iowa. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. So things are not going wonderfully for Joe Biden. Look at his approval ratings. I'm looking at them right now on Real Clear Politics. His he is underwater right now by approximately eleven points. The only poll that has him anywhere near over water is the Economist YouGov. This is over the course of the last month or so, but Reuters Ipsos has him down fourteen, as in forty percent approval, fifty four percent disapproval. ABC News, Washington Post, has him at 37% approval, 56% disapproval. These are terrible numbers for an incumbent president of the United States. And if you look at the general election numbers, they are no better for Joe Biden right now. Here are the last few polls of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, for example, if the election were held today. According to The Economist, YouGov, they would be tied at 46%. According to that ABC News, Washington Post poll, it would have Trump up 6, 45 to 39. Even according to Yahoo News, which tends to be a fairly pro-Biden poll, 45 to 43. Biden over Trump. In other words, this is no foregone conclusion, this election, if it were to be Trump versus Biden. Same thing with Ron DeSantis. If you look at the last few polls, DeSantis versus Biden, what you see is that they are essentially tied. There are three polls with DeSantis up and up substantially, and there are three polls with Biden up. The Harvard-Harris poll has DeSantis up 43-40. The Wall Street Journal poll has DeSantis up 48-45. The ABC News-Washington Post poll has him has up 44-38. The Yahoo News poll, again, a Barry pro-Biden poll, has Biden up 45-42. In none of these polls is Joe Biden clocking 48, 49, 50 percent. Those are the kinds of numbers that Joe Biden would need to clock in order to actually win re-election. And not only that, there are still all sorts of rumors that are floating out there about all of the money connections that the Biden family has. Joe Biden has claimed for years that he has no idea that members of his family jet around literally everywhere. It's pretty much every foreign country on planet Earth picking up sacks of cash because he was vice president of the United States and now he is president of the United States. And. The Republicans, the House Republicans, have been trying to investigate this. They're being stonewalled, apparently, by the FBI, which refuses to turn over a whistleblower complaint, suggesting that there are documents from an insider about exactly what Joe Biden knew and when he knew it, about members of his family taking foreign sacks of cash. Representative Jody Comer, who is a the leader of the House Oversight Committee for the Republicans, sorry, Representative James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, who's part of the House Oversight Committee, he says that we actually do have solid evidence that Joe Biden lied when he said his family never took money from China, for example.
1: There are a lot of obstacles, but I think what we produced this week, this 38 page memorandum was pretty solid evidence that we've been able to accumulate showing that Joe Biden lied when he said his family never took money from China, showing that the media got it wrong when they said none of these payments were ever made while Joe Biden was in office, and then naming nine Biden family members that received money.
0: Okay, well, Comer, to the downside, has also suggested that he doesn't know exactly where the informant went. So apparently there's an informer inside the FBI, the whistleblower, told Comer and the Republicans in the House about the informant, and now they're not sure what's going on with the informant. Comer is suggesting that that's pressure from the White House.
1: Are there whistleblowers or informants missing right now? Nine of the 10 people uh, that we've identified that have very good knowledge with respect to the Bidens, they're, they're one of three things, Maria. They're either currently in court, they're currently in jail, or they're currently missing. So it's of the utmost importance that the FBI work with us to be able to try to identify uh, what research they've done, what investigations they've done, because we have people that wanna come forward, but honestly, Maria, they fear for their lives. Not only are the Biden lawyers and the Biden White House intimidating them, the media is trying to intimidate and discredit them,
0: We'll have to see what emerges under these particular circumstances. Obviously, Americans trust in organizations like the FBI has really hit the toilet since the onset of the Trump era when the FBI pretty much became a weapon used internally against members of the Trump administration, whether it is Mike Flynn or whether it was other members of the Trump administration or whether it was the entire Mueller investigation, which was predicated on lies. Meanwhile. Joe Biden is experiencing mass failure at the border. So everybody is trying to play what's happening at the border as some sort of win for Joe Biden. In fact, Joe Biden was trying to do that over the weekend. So Title 42 ended on Friday. And there was not a massive influx on Friday. There was a massive influx before Friday. Why? Well, because by Friday... These state authorities in Texas had put up barbed wire along the border. And because they put up barbed wire along the border in the most trafficked areas, people were being funneled into ports of entry. And so a lot of people were showing up at the ports of entry and they were going through the actual legal process. And that meant that some people were being rejected, some people were not being rejected, but the sort of vast wave at the border that we'd been seeing the previous week, it actually mitigated after Title 42 because resources were brought to bear in part by the federal government, but mostly by the state of Texas. But put all that aside, last week was the single largest week in terms of number of illegal migrants attempting to enter the country in United States history. We are talking about in excess of 83,000 people attempting to enter the United States last week via the southern border of the United States. Joe Biden is out there saying everything is under control. We're doing an amazing job.
2: Okay. How do you think things are going at the border, sir? Much, better, border than, much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> do you have any plans to visit no, the border? No, I think,
0: <laughs> pardon
2: me? Do you have any plans to visit the border? Not in the near term, no.
0: Never. Of course not. Why would he visit the border? There's no reason for that. You only deploy your forces down to the border when you're able to yell at Donald Trump. When we're experiencing the greatest migrant wave in American history over the course of this administration, well then, nah, he's not going to visit the border. He has better things to do, like lick ice cream at historically black colleges and universities, as we'll talk about in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you need to protect your online privacy. It is mandatory, okay? This is not a request. You have to protect your online privacy. There are too many people who want your data. I'm talking about the government. I'm talking about big tech. I'm talking about hackers. Using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like leaving your laptop exposed at a coffee shop table while you run to the bathroom. Most of the time, probably fine. Then there's that one time there's a dude who's actually browsing your email when you come back out, and that's not great. Well, that's essentially what you do every time you go on a public Wi-Fi system, so don't do that. Instead, use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so hackers can't steal your sensitive data. ExpressVPN is so easy to use. You just fire up that app, you click one button, and now you're protected. Plus, it works on all your devices, your phones, laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. My listeners will get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Again, I've been using it for years. Super easy to use. One button clicks to download it, one button click to activate it, and now you're protected. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. My listeners get an extra three months For free. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep Mattress for years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix Sleep Mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Helix Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. we are big Helix fans here at the Shapiro House. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but... I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HelixPartner25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HelixPartner25 with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. Okay, so the entire Biden administration is now in unison that they're doing an amazing job on the border. There's only one problem. They're really not doing an amazing job on the border. All that's happened is that resources are temporarily being put at the border because Title 42 ended and everyone was freaking out about it. But this isn't stopping Alejandro Mayorkas from claiming that they've done an extraordinary job on the border.
2: How do you respond to him and some other Democrats who say that you've fallen short?
3: Uh, I would respectfully uh, disagree. We have been planning for months and months, over a year and a half. We have surged resources, um, asylum officers, uh, border patrol agents, Processing coordinators to do the data entry work so our border patrol agents can be out in the field. We've expanded our holding capacity in border patrol stations. We've added beds to immigration and customs enforcement in our detention facilities. We've increased our transportation resources, the number of flights, uh, uh, removal flights with our foreign partners. We're setting up regional processing centers now. It's extraordinary what we've done over the past 18 months or so.
0: It's always fun to watch how complete disasters by the Biden administration are portrayed as acts of great heroism, whether it is the ridiculously horrible pullout from Afghanistan, which resulted in not just the death of 13 American service members, but the leaving of hundreds, of, if not thousands, of Americans behind, the leaving of 10,000 green card holders in Afghanistan, people falling off the wheel wells of airplanes, and ISIS K taking over. The, the center of the, of the country. I mean, it, it, the Biden administration played that as a giant victory. They're doing the exact same thing with regard to immigration. You know what's actually happening with regard to immigration right now? The Texas National Guard is doing the heavy lifting. According to the Associated Press, after hours of waiting on the U.S. side of the border and hoping the Texas National Guard would let them seek U.S. asylum, a group of 15 migrants crossed a shallow Green River back to Mexico, their faces drawn in disappointment. And this entire article from Reuters about how forces have been surged to the border is all about the Texas National Guard. It's not the feds. It's the fact that Greg Abbott is doing his job and attempting to stop people from crossing the border illegally. That's what's actually happening here, but it's not stopping Alejandro Mayorkas from talking about what a wonderful job they're doing. Now, he also says the quiet part out loud, which is one of the reasons that they are seeing less people attempt, fewer people attempting to cross the border illegally and just escape into the country is because they've broadened the pathway for asylum. So in other words, yeah, you don't have to cross that river illegally and then just run into the middle of the country. Instead, you can just come to a border, claim asylum, and we'll release you and we'll give you a cell phone in the process. Now, if that sounds better to you, I'm going to need to see your math. Here's Alejandro Mayorcas.
2: There's a, a debate in your party about how restrictive the United States should be towards asylum claims. What's your philosophy on that?
3: So as the asylum system uh, has been and continues to be a jewel of the United States. We take great great pride as a country in this world to provide humanitarian relief for those who qualify. But President Biden has led the greatest expansion of lawful pathways ever through a family reunification program, through expedited refugee processing, through the regional processing centers that we're now building. But we have an obligation to deliver consequences at our border, to not only manage our border, but to cut the smugglers out.
0: Oh, well, you, you guys are doing an amazing job because, again, you are incentivizing people to come to the border because if you can be left in legally, why bother crossing the border illegally? Yeah, but here's the thing. The American people can see through this. This is why Joe Biden's approval ratings have been tanking. I mean, absolutely tanking. And it's putting his reelect bid in serious jeopardy. By certain statistics, by the way, if the economy is linked to your reelect bid, by certain, by certain measures, we are already in a recession. Right? By, by wage measures, particularly, we are already in a recession. This is according to Bloomberg, As the U.S. economy teeters on the brink of recession, Wall Street is already enduring what could turn out to be the most prolonged corporate profits downturn in seven years. With the first quarter earnings season drawing to a close, the profits of the S&P 500 companies are estimated to have dropped 3.7% on average compared to one year ago. While data compiled by Bloomberg Intelligence show that 78% of firms surpassed forecasts that's less impressive than it sounds, given analysts had slashed their expectations before the season even kicked off. This was also the second straight quarter of earnings declines for corporate America. Two quarters? consecutively, of declines for corporate America would amount to a recession. And of course, we haven't even seen the downside slope of what's going to happen when the inflation numbers and the interest rate increases truly hit. We're still sort of waiting to see which wins, the interest rate increases or the inflation numbers. Right now, those inflation numbers continue to be incredibly durable. We're still talking about 5% inflation rates on a year-over-year basis. And the Fed is now saying that it's going to hold up on increasing the interest rates because if it increases the interest rates, people are going to take their money out of the regional banks And if they do that, many of the regional banks may collapse. And if that happens, the Federal Reserve is going to have to wash through the the, the entire system with more money, creating more inflation. So all of this is weighing on Joe Biden. And he has one solution for his 2024 race. And it's the usual solution. This has been the solution in American politics since 2012. Since 2012, whenever Democrats are flailing, the first thing they do is play the race card. Joe Biden is flailing. And so he has decided that it's time to play the race card. So things are about to get a lot uglier, a lot uglier in America. Because the one thing that is assuredly true is when Americans are talking about race, things are really bad. And Joe Biden is just eager and he that dude cannot stop talking about race. We'll get to that momentarily first. As we've been talking about, the economy is under a lot of stress right now. Your skincare routine does not have to be. GenuCell is dedicated to helping you through these trying times. To prove it, they are offering 70% off their most popular package. Plus, for the first time ever, GenuCell is including both the ultra retinol and dark spot corrector with every purchase of their most popular package. Don't miss out on the amazing deal. GenuCell's ultra retinol contains a powerful retinol alternative safe to use on your skin in the summer sun. Their dark spot corrector helps reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots as well. Uh, I've seen all of your comments. And um, thank you, guys. I am aging like fine wine, but that's largely due to GenuCell. My assistant, Kelly, is also using GenuCell. She says it is working wonders for her. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. GenuCell.com Shapiro. You already missed it for Mother's Day, but if you missed Mom's Day, and you want to give like a belated gift, Genucel makes a fantastic Mother's Day gift. My mom uses Cell as well. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Save over 70% off Cells most popular package today. That's genuce com slash Shapiro, GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and Jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. They're underwear Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, it's free guarantee protects your most valuable asset. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so when in doubt, if you're a Democrat, play the race card. So over the weekend, Joe Biden spoke at a historically black college and university. Ooh, Yay. He got a degree from Howard University, which um, would make the first time that he's earned a degree without engaging in uh, some form of plagiarism, I believe. Uh, and uh, and Joe Biden showed up there to explain that America is deeply, deeply racist. says the aged old white man who actually lived through segregation and was friends with segregationists. He, uh, he is here to tell you that we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. What's the battle for the soul? He's already iterated several battles for the soul of our nation, right? There's battle number one is, this is about, a battle for our democracy. Generally, say that you are Trump. And that Battle number one is that unless you vote Democrat, America will fall to tyranny. So you must vote the way that he likes or America is a tyranny. Which if you think about it, sounds kind of tyrannical. But that is pitch number one. Vote for my opponents and that means that you're in favor of fascism. And then accompanying that pitch is pitch number two, which is, we are, this administration is the only thing standing between black Americans and reenslavement or resegregation or some such nonsense. The biggest threat to America right now is white supremacy, says the elderly white gentleman, who is only president, by the way, because he was the vice president to a black guy, Barack Obama. Otherwise, no one would care about Joe Biden. That dude had run for president 100,000 times. He is older than Methuselah. And yet it doesn't matter because, again, the only reason he's popular is because he ran with a black president. And then that elderly doddering white fool, back when he was the vice president, who's already old. He was already old then. Back then in 2012, he was suggesting that Mitt Romney wanted to put black people back in chains. Nothing has changed. All of the happy talk about how Joe Biden is a nice, a nice guy. He's a really good guy. He's a bipartisan guy. He's a schmuck. You know, the the, the hallmark of a schmuck is accusing people of racial crimes just because you disagree with them and it is politically of benefit for you to do so. It's gross, makes the country a worse place. If you look at all the polls about race relations in the United States, what you will see is that race relations in the United States were actually really, really good until Barack Obama's second term. Barack Obama runs for his second term, gets reelected, and race relations fall off the table. In large part, thanks to the machinations of people like Joe Biden. So Joe Biden is going to rev up the race-baiting machine. And there's a guy who said during the last election cycle, "If you don't fo- if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. But don't worry. He's uh, he's a very tolerant and diverse person. So he says, we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. Which battle? We'll get to that in a moment.
2: That's because hate never goes away. I thought when I graduated we could defeat hate. But it never goes away. It only hides under the rocks. And when it's given oxygen, it comes out from under that rock. That's why we know this truth as well. Silence is complicity. It cannot remain silent. We have to lift through this battle for the soul of the nation. And it is still a battle for the soul of the nation. What is the soul of the nation? Well, I believe the soul is the breath, the life, the essence of who we are. The soul makes us us.
0: Yeah, well, whenever I hear Joe Biden, a soulless politician, if ever there was one, talking about the soul of the nation, it makes me want to vomit a little in my mouth. Um, we're in a battle for the soul of our nation, he says. And he says, we, silence is complicity. Who? I have a question. Who is being silent about racism? Truly, this is a person who like, pays homage to Al Sharpton, perfectly willing to do that. This is a person who remains silent about particular types of crime, depending on who performs those types of crime. Only certain stories get mentioned by Joe Biden. He chooses his mass shootings very specifically. He chooses allies very specifically as well. I noticed that he's had no words whatsoever. If we're talking about, you know, People who are violently anti-Semitic, for example, I've noticed he has no words for Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib literally held an event last week while rockets were falling on Jews in Israel. She literally held an event called Nakba Day, which is about how the establishment of Israel was a catastrophe. Did Joe Biden have anything? I feel like silence is violence, Joe. But no, nothing was said. But what's he really talking about? What he's talking about? Again, what he believes is that if he gets the black vote out for 2024 and if black voters show up in the kind of numbers they showed up for Obama, then he wins. This is the the sort of mirage of electoral politics that Democrats have been following since 2012. I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it again. The most important election of my lifetime was 2012. Everybody thinks it was 2016. Everybody thinks it was 2020. It was not. The most important election of all of our lifetimes was 2012. But you say to yourself, wait, wasn't that the Mitt Romney-Barack Obama election? Yes, that's exactly it. In 2008, Barack Obama won, and he won by running essentially as a great unifier who's going to end racial conflict in America. That was his pitch. The only reason anyone gave a second look to a first term senator from Illinois who had never accomplished anything in electoral politics is because he was a black man who spoke about how America was a place of hope where we could all come together. That was his entire shtick in 2008. And it was very popular. That's why people were taking pictures of themselves in the in the voting booth so they could show all their friends how tolerant and diverse they were. And then in 2010, Barack Obama pushed Obamacare and he got his butt kicked up and down the block, electorally speaking. And he decided that he was angry at America. And so in 2012, he ran on an explicitly racial basis. He started talking about how Trayvon Martin could have been his son. He started talking about how the the American people was still shot through root and branch with levels of racism he had not anticipated. He started parceling out populations group by group. He sent out Joe Biden to talk about how Mitt Romney was going to put y'all back in chains. And then he won re-election on that basis, despite losing 3 million votes from 2008 to 2012. And on that basis, Democrats have run ever since Hillary Clinton tried to replicate the Barack Obama coalition in 2016, and she failed because it turns out black voters don't like Hillary Clinton. Joe Biden was able to replicate some of Barack Obama's coalition in 2020, not because so many people love Joe Biden, but because so many people really, really didn't like Donald Trump. But now when he is stuck between an electoral rock and a a hard place and he's in danger of losing, he's going to go right back to that 2012 well. And what that means is that he's going to claim that America is in the throes of a battle with white supremacy, and only he stands in the gap. He and Kamala Harris stand in the gap. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about maintaining that healthy lifestyle. You know, I'm not a big fan of vegetables. Uh, Vegetables are the best, best evidence that God's grace does not extend to us in every aspect of our lives, because they taste terrible, but they're very good for you. So what do I do instead of eating my vegetables? Because I just, I refuse to do it. Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Through Balance of Nature's advanced cold vacuum process, the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and vegetables are preserved, so you can get that vital nutrition in each capsule. Balance of Nature is a whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in their capsules is pure fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their product down to the studio for my team to try. We all love them. I'm not the only one at the office who doesn't like the vegetables. Producer Jake hates the celery, but he loves Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules that make him feel a lot better. Same thing is true for me. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off that first preferred order. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Okay, so now we get to it. So Joe Biden, he's speaking at this historically black college and university, and he explains that the most dangerous threat to America, the most dangerous threat to America is... Wait for it. White supremacy. Not vast numbers of illegal immigrants crossing the border, like to the tune of 5 million since he's taken office. Not the threat of serious economic recession or possible collapse. Not the threat of a rising China in terms of its aggressive instinct. Not the threat of the falling apart of the American family. I could name a dozen threats that are significantly worse than white supremacy. Now, again, that is not to downplay the evils of white supremacist ideology. White supremacism is idiotic, it is foolish, and it is evil. The notion that one race is superior just by dint of skin color is insipid. However, if we are going to gradate the threats to Americans today, white supremacy, like you in your daily life, you're going about your life, is the greatest threat to your life in America white supremacy? Is it really? You'd be hard-pressed to find a group of people for whom that is true. I say this by the way as a person who's been personally targeted by white supremacists to the tune of the FBI literally arrested a white supremacist a few years ago for threatening my family. So I take white supremacy white supremacy and its actual physical threat pretty damn seriously. And even for people like me, I got to tell you, threats in my like threats to the country, white supremacy, now the reason Joe Biden is saying this is not because he thinks that a group of nut jobs in Iowa for example or Idaho who think that white people are inherently superior are going to are going to do damage in a mass shooting. Because that's true. There will be people who do stuff like that. But that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is the Ibram X. Kennedy version of white supremacy in which everyone who does not mirror the political priorities of Joe Biden is a white supremacist. That is the implication of what he's saying. Here we go.
2: Racism has long torn us apart. It's a battle that's never really over. But on the best days, enough of us have the guts and the hearts to stand up for the best in us, to choose love over hate, unity over disunity, progress over retreat, to stand up against the poison of white supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because I'm a black HBCU. I say wherever I go.
0: First of all, is there a non-black HBCU that I'm unaware of? Put that aside. The reason that he is saying this is because, again, the idea that you're supposed to take away from this is not that there's a group of white supremacists who might commit terror attacks. The idea you're supposed to take away from this is that it's being enabled by an entire substructure or superstructure in American society. Meanwhile, by the way, Joe Biden just says kind of casually racist things all the time. So in the same speech... He suggested that Katanji Brown Jackson is brighter than the other justices. I have yet to see the evidence of this, considering she can't define the word woman. But sure, let's go for it.
2: With your voices and votes, I was able to fill my commitment to put the first black woman on the Supreme Court of the United States of, of America. And by the way, she's brighter than the rest. She is one bright woman.
0: He has no evidence that she's brighter than the rest. Like, seriously, none. He's allowed to say that. Imagine, by the way, if the race is reversed. Of course, you can't. It's not possible. No presidential can be like, that's when I appointed a white man to the Supreme Court. Let me tell you, he's much brighter than all the other people, especially the people who are white. Again, the kind of casual racism that is considered okay, depending on which race is considered superior, is pretty incredible stuff. The media, of course, have jumped right on this particular bandwagon. Some of the other members of the administration, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, who is doing just a horrific job of ensuring that illegal immigrants, illegal immigration does not swamp the country. He says that, yes, indeed, just like Joe Biden says, the greatest threat to the domestic homeland is, in fact, white supremacy.
3: At his commencement address uh, for the Howard University graduates called white supremacy uh, uh, the the major domestic terror threat in this country. Is that correct? Uh, It tragically is. You know, um, in the terrorism context, domestic violent extremism is uh, our greatest threat uh, right now. Individuals are driven to violence because of ideologies of hate.
0: You know, again, the goal of this administration is not just to single out white supremacist terror groups. Fine with me. The goal is to broaden that out to include everybody who disagrees with them. And you can see the media are just super excited about this. So yesterday, there was also a march by a group called Patriot Front in Washington, D.C. They were drumming and chanting life, liberty, and victory. About 200 of them went to Washington, D.C., and they walked near the, uh, on the National Mall near the Washington Monument. Uh, and um, they're all masked up. Some of them, I guess, got arrested. The men were seen putting American flags and shields into white U-Haul vans after they marched through the Capitol for about an hour. There was a large police presence that ushered the group to a nearby train station. And uh, this video was used over the weekend as an example of just how prevalent white supremacy is in America. So you have a couple of hundred dolts and idiots walking through the National Mall. Obviously, the speculation online was uh, that th- that it was the feds. Uh, I-, I tend not to um, I tend not to believe such things without evidence. With that said, you know it is odd that everybody is masking up. In any case, they are they are all masking and walking, and the media played this thing. Oh my God, look at that! They're gonna march on the Capitol. Really, all 200 of them? Are they going to take down the country, are they? This was given widespread media attention because it was to show, again, in almost coordinated fashion, just as Joe Biden says, the white supremacy is about to take over the nation. Look at these white supremacists walking around the National Mall, carrying flags. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And link that up with people like Simone Sanders, former Bernie Sanders spokesperson and Kamala Harris spokesperson, warning that the Supreme Court of the United States could actually make black history illegal. Black people under threat in America from the white superstructure by the way, the people who control the government right now are Democrats, but we're not supposed to pay attention to that. Hey, here is Simone. Uh, it is kind of amazing that the MSNBC lineup now includes the former spokesperson for Kamala Harris and the former spokesperson for Joe Biden, Jen Psaki. Like that's not just a revolving door. There is no door between the Biden administration and MSNBC. There's not even a doorway. They just walk right off one set and onto another. Here is Simone Sanders. There are
2: almost a dozen cases the Supreme Court will decide starting this month. The court will weigh in on two cases brought by the organization Students for Fair Admissions. And these cases may seem like the Supreme Court justices will only decide if race should be a factor in college admissions. But this court has a habit of overreaching. So these two cases could actually append affirmative action across the board. If the Supreme Court decides that race conscious decision making and policies are unconstitutional, Then everything from special government contracts and programs for minority-owned businesses to targeted corporate recruitment at HBCUs would all be in jeopardy. Medical institutions, they would need to figure out how to recruit a diverse workforce without incurring liability. Lawmakers, they could argue that specialized disciplines like African-American or Latin American history are race-conscious and therefore illegal.
0: Okay, so I I love that you just tax on at the very end the idea that if you teach like black history in America, that will now be illegal. So, but but again, this is all part of the broader argument. The broader argument is that the miasmatic white supremacy that is most obviously symptomatic in terrorist groups is also spread throughout America, all the way on up to the Supreme Court. And, and so we have to look for more symptoms. The way that we find white supremacy everywhere is we look for more symptomatic cases, which brings us to the case of Jordan Neely, the homeless black drug addict, crazy person who was threatening people on a subway for the umpteenth time when he was put in a submission hold by a former Marine, named a Marine veteran named Daniel Penny. We'll get to the latest in that particular case in just one second. First, you've seen the CEO of Innovation Refunds and GetRefunds.com on TV explaining how they've helped so many small businesses with their REC tax refunds. They've completed thousands of returns for different kinds of businesses, over $700 million for construction companies, over $200 million in restaurants, bars, and hotels. Innovation Refunds has hundreds of five-star Trustpilot and Google reviews and is certified with the Better Business Bureau. In around eight minutes, you can easily start the process. Over at GetRefunds.com, you could be on your way to receiving up to 26 grand per employee. That ERC tax credit is a refund on your already paid taxes, not a loan designed to let the business owner direct the refund money into anything the business needs to grow. That's money you can use to improve your business however you see fit. Go to GetRefunds.com to start the process. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $5 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They might be able to help your business as well. Head on over to GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store today. That's GetRefunds.com. Today, if you paid the federal government too much money, well, they were attempting to shut down your business for two years. Why not get some of that money back? GetRefunds.com. Go check them out right now. Also, over the last week, a popular 30-plus year veteran university professor was put on leave. He committed a great crime. He passed out Jeremy's, he, him, and she, her chocolate bars. He gave people the thing they want, chocolate, and he got put on leave for that. Well, Jeremy believes every free American should have the right to hand out chocolate, which is why Jeremy has taken his delicious he, him, and she, her chocolate bars and reduced them down to a tasty little microaggression size. Head on over to jeremyschocolate.com. You can get your microaggression-sized Jeremy's chocolate bars conveniently available for Halloween. Head on over to jeremyschocolate.com and pre-order today. So again, because the media are looking to fulfill the mandate of the Biden administration, find American racism, and find it fast, they've decided to shoehorn in stories that don't fit into the racism narrative, which is why the Marine veteran Daniel Penny is now going to be prosecuted in the state of New York. But now we know exactly what went down. Apparently, a stranger who was on the on the subway when the Marine veteran put Jordan Neely in a fatal chokehold, she said Thursday she's praying for Penny after it was revealed the 24-year-old would face charges tied to the high-profile case. The 66-year-old woman did not want to be identified, presumably because she was afraid of the blowback. But she said, after all this ensued, I went back and made sure I said thank you to him. Why? Well, because the subway rider said that Neely was threatening passengers after he hopped on that F train. He said, quote, I don't care. I'll take a bullet. I'll go to jail because he would kill people on the train. The woman said of Neely, he said, I would kill a mother effer. I don't care. I'll take a bullet. I'll go to jail. The retiree said Penny did not initially engage with Neely during the wild rant until things got out of hand. He felt the urge to step in. This gentleman, Mr. Penny, did not stand up, did not engage with the gentleman. He said not a word. It was all Mr. Neely threatening the passengers if he did not get what he wants. So, going to go to jail for life? What? What penalties involve going to jail for life? Could you tell me? It's not kicking somebody in the shin or punching somebody in the face. The former Marine could face up to 15 years if convicted of the manslaughter charge. It's just, this is all insane, obviously. And now you have the the Jordan Neely family, the lawyers for Jordan Neely's family emerging and, and trying to make the most of this. Now, I have very little taste for this. I got I to tell you, if a member of your family is out on the street for a decade in and out of prison, in and out of drug rehab, and you have not literally living on the streets and then something bad happens to that person. And now you step up and now all of a sudden you want to be in the media limelight. Got to say it looks pretty damn cynical. Well. That's never stopped anybody in America before. According to the New York Post, attorneys representing the family of fatal chokehold victim Jordan Neely blasted Manhattan prosecutors for charging Marine vet Daniel Penny with manslaughter. They say he should be charged with murder. Dante Mills and Lennon Edwards held a press conference in front of their law office at 225 West 34th Street in Midtown Manhattan, just hours after Penny surrendered to the police. The lawyers were accompanied by Neely's father, Andre Zachary, and his aunt, Mildred Mahazu, who did not speak during the event. Edwards, the lawyer said, we knew justice would not be swift, we realized. That justice was going to be a journey today. We are not going to stop until we have full justice. We are going to pause to recognize we have taken the first step a step in the right direction. Apparently, the lawyers pushed Alvin Bragg's office, he's the Manhattan DA, for a second-degree murder charge punishable by up to life in prison. The lawyer says, we believe the conviction should be for murder because Daniel Penny chose to use a technique that is designed to cut off air, and he chose to continue that chokehold until there was no life left in Jordan Neely." That's obviously not true, by the way. There are other people who are attempting to subdue Jordan Neely, and they put him in the prone position, like the resuscitation position on his side so he doesn't choke on his own spittle. We, we still don't have a medical autopsy at this point, by the way. But these members of the family who are now emerging in order to presumably make a buck off of, um, off of this horrible situation, it's really quite disgusting. The Daniel Penny Online Legal Defense Fund, by the way, has already raised over a million dollars for his defense. I imagine it's only a matter of time until the GoFundMe or whatever is being used for this attempts to shut it down, because that's the way this usually works, is that if you attempt to start a legal defense fund for somebody who defends himself and that person happens to not match the narrative, then we shut it down. According to CBS News, an online legal defense fund started by the attorneys for Daniel Penny have raised now more than a million dollars for his legal defense. The um, This obviously is turning very political very quickly. By the way, I should mention that over the weekend, in a story that no one's going to care about, because again. When, uh, when people do evil things, but it's not a white-black issue, then no one cares in New York. According to the New York Post, three men were slashed at a subway station in Corona, Queens, early Sunday by a man who quickly fled the scene. Officers rushed to the 7 train station on Junction Boulevard and Roosevelt Avenue after receiving reports of a stabbing on the northbound platform. Two of the three victims were taken to Elmhurst Hospital Center, one with a laceration to the head, the other with a laceration to the neck. The third victim was taken to New York Presbyterian Hospital with a cut on his arm. The suspect was described as being a five foot nine male wearing no shirt, gray sweatpants and black shoes, according to the police. Unclear, by the way, the uh, race of the suspect. We have no idea because the media never report on the race of the suspect, or at least they don't in certain circumstances. But we, we just don't know. We just don't know. It, it wouldn't matter anyway, because obviously it's not a black white incident. Some of the victims in this particular case are black. So the media are going to try to shoehorn this into the greater American. Like if you defend Daniel Penny, now they will claim that you are a member of the white supremacist crew who are happy to watch black men die at the hands of white men or some such garbage. They're especially going to do this now because Ron DeSantis tweeted out the governor of Florida, whose announcement for the presidency, I would assume, is imminent now. I mean, he's visited Iowa. I believe he has some filings that are due this week. So probably we're we're talking about his his campaign launching formally uh, very, very soon. He tweeted out. We must defeat the Soros-funded DAs, stop the left's pro-criminal agenda, and take back the streets for law-abiding citizens. We stand with good Samaritans like Daniel Penny. Let's show this Marine America's got his back. Presumably, this will create massive consternation in the media. I assume they will be very, very upset about all that. And of course, they'll probably call him racist because how dare he defend the white Marine veteran who's defending other people. By the way, I think in New York, the only thing they regret about the slashing incident is that Daniel Penny wasn't there to actually stop the slasher because then they could have prosecuted Daniel Penny. That would have been the thing that really mattered over in the state of New York. Well, meanwhile, Ron DeSantis had himself an excellent political weekend. So over the weekend, Donald Trump was supposed to visit Iowa and he canceled his trip to Iowa. He said that he canceled his trip to Iowa because of weather. He said that there were tornadoes somewhere in the neighborhood. That was not particularly true. That area of of Iowa was not plagued by tornadoes in any serious way, despite Donald Trump's attempts to put out videos showing tornadoes from different parts of Iowa. DeSantis instead went to the same exact part of Iowa that Trump was supposed to go to. There was a lot of speculation that the reason Trump didn't show up in Iowa is because he actually wasn't gonna have a crowd. So the New York Times reports, for the first time in months, Governor Ron DeSantis showed the aggressive political instincts his allies have long insisted he would demonstrate in a contest against Donald Trump. After headlining two successful political events in Iowa, DeSantis made an unscheduled stop in Des Moines, a move aimed at highlighting the fact that Trump had abruptly postponed a planned Saturday evening rally in the area because of reports of possible severe weather. Trump's explanation for postponing the event drew skepticism from local Iowa officials and derision from DeSantis' allies about the beautiful weather. DeSantis essentially kicked sand in the former president's face by coming to an area Trump claimed to have been told was too dangerous for him to visit. After wrapping up his events on Saturday evening elsewhere in the state, DeSantis headed to Jethro's Barbecue Southside, where he and his wife, Casey, stood on a table outside and spoke to a cheering crowd. The barbecue joint was a short drive from where Trump had planned to host his own rally. DeSantis said, my better half and I have been able to be all over Iowa today. Before we went back to Florida, we wanted to come by and say hi to the people of Des Moines. Thank you all for coming out. It's a beautiful night. It's been a great day for us. This obviously is DeSantis swooping in and drinking Trump's milkshake because Trump's whole thing is you know, bravery and manhood and all of this, but he canceled the trip. And it's probable based on the weather patterns that he canceled the trip because he wasn't going to draw a very large crowd in Iowa. That's at least what a lot of the locals were speculating. While Trump canceled his Iowa appearance, he later called into an event hosted by Reawaken America Tour. That is a, that is a movement led by Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who of course is a pretty controversial fellow. Trump leads in the state, but his, his team has uh, lowered the bar for DeSantis' first outing because they keep saying that DeSantis is not capable of doing retail politics. And DeSantis showed up and he did some pretty good retail politics. He also spoke and uh, he sort of subtweeted Trump. going His early line, DeSantis' line during this campaign is going to be pretty simple. We need to win and I'm to the right of Trump. Those are gonna be the two things. And those are pretty good talking points. So here was DeSantis over the weekend. He did not mention Trump by name once during this trip. He said, we have to reject the culture of losing that seems to have taken over parts of the party.
3: Both Florida and Iowa show strong leadership and a bold agenda can defeat the left in this country. But there's no substitute for victory. We must reject the culture of losing that has infected our party in recent years. The time for excuses
0: is over. Okay, so that is going to be a key for him. And one of the things he said is if we make this election about a referendum on Joe Biden and his failed policies, and we provide a positive alternative to take America in a new direction, I think Republicans will win across the board. Now, there are other Republicans who are saying that Trump is unlikely to win. There are a couple of things that DeSantis has as an advantage over some of those other Republicans making the claim. One, in the 2022 election cycle, in which Trump's candidates failed pretty much across the board, DeSantis led a red wave, leading him to win the state of Florida by 20 points. His legislative record in the state of Florida is basically a conservative wish list. We're talking about low taxes. We're talking about a state that is fiscally sound because of rapid economic growth. We're talking a universal school choice in the state of Florida. We're talking about making it easier to give the death penalty to people who deserve the death penalty. We're talking about making sure that rioters are responsible for their own actions if they run into the middle of the road, that the police are actually getting paid. He paid a bonus to police officers to come to the state in the middle of the Black Lives Matter crisis. He has changed the law in the state of Florida such that public union dues are not automatically deducted from the paychecks of government workers. He has moved to shut down illegal immigration into the state, and he has extended E-Verify across the state. He, of course, has strengthened the laws on abortion. There's now a heartbeat protection ban in the state of Florida, a six-week abortion act that bans abortion beyond six weeks. He has in place. He's put in place tort reform. So if a plaintiff is found to be more than 50 percent responsible for his own injuries, he's no he's no longer able to recover damages. One way, attorney's fees have been eliminated as well. And he's issued must issue rules with regard to concealed carry. So that is a that is a conservative wish list that he has enacted in the state of Florida. Meanwhile, when it comes to Donald Trump, I would assume that Ron DeSantis, campaign is going to be very much about the idea that Donald Trump put in place Anthony Fauci and left him there and then ran ads based on Anthony Fauci saying that Donald Trump had never denied him anything. I mean, Donald Trump gave Anthony Fauci the Congressional Medal of Freedom. He did that before he left office and Deborah Burks. And by the way, Mark Milley, like everybody who, who the right dislikes inside the Trump administration, Trump rewarded all of them. And he's going to hit him on that for sure. He's going to be hitting him from the right on immigration. Donald Trump is going to be talking about how I built a wall and DeSantis is gonna say, well, where is it? Where's the wall? Right? All of these issues are issues on which Trump actually is going to be he's gonna be trumped by people to his right. So Trump himself, for example, today, he came out and he condemned the six-week abortion ban in Florida. How's that gonna play with actual Republican primary voters? This isn't a general election. How's it gonna play with actual Republican primary voters? I I don't assume it's gonna play unbelievably well. And there's another element to this election battle that's gonna be somewhat telling, and that is Very often, local officials make a very big difference in primary elections. If you rack up a lot of local endorsements in Iowa, that makes a big difference. Well, Ron DeSantis has spent the last several years building up relationships in a lot of these key locales. Ted Cruz did that in 2016, and it made him the second place finisher to Donald Trump. But this is a very different race because, number one, Trump has run twice already. And number two, DeSantis is not Ted Cruz in terms of how the media targets him, in terms of how he responds. But one thing that DeSantis has done is the same thing Cruz has done. He's made a lot of local connections. According to Florida Voice News, of Governor Ron DeSantis' various nationwide speaking events since the beginning of March, the high-profile Republican's president, uh, presence has garnered around $4.3 million for various Republican groups. Beginning on March 3rd, the Florida governor spoke at 10 GOP events across eight states, and he raised millions of dollars for the local GOP. It also happens to be the case that Ron DeSantis has spent years actually helping to build up local Republican Party apparatuses all over the country. He, he's, he himself distributed an enormous amount of money in the last election cycle to other Florida Republicans who were running. Donald Trump is sort of famous for doing the reverse. Donald Trump, during the 2020 and 2022 elections, he raised money for organizations that either didn't use the money for what they were for or he raised money for himself. I mean, It was pretty clear, for example, in the 2020 Georgia runoff race, he put out mailers to raise money. 75% of the money went to Trump. 25% of the money went to the RNC. None went to the actual Georgia candidates. I mean, that that's a big difference. You make those connections and it actually helps. Trump has been able to escape scrutiny for all of that so far because, of course, Trump is Trump. But we'll see if that is particularly durable. In the end, I think that what this campaign is going to come down to is entertainment versus substance. And that's really the big choice. You could tell it on Mother's Day. Trump is more entertaining than DeSantis, no question, because Trump is more entertaining than literally every human. There are no humans who are as entertaining as Donald Trump. But if the question is, who is most likely to win, then who's most likely to implement an excellent set of conservative policies? I don't think that there is a huge debate about this among people who actually watch the data, for example. Perfectly great example of this, Mother's Day. Okay, so look at the contrasting views of Mother's Day from Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. So Donald Trump's message, very entertaining. I will say very, very entertaining. Also, is this the way that um, you win a general election? Quote, Happy Mother's Day to all, in particular, the mothers, wives and lovers of the radical left, fascists, Marxists, and communists, who are doing everything within their power to destroy and obliterate our once great country. Please make these complete lunatics and maniacs kinder, gentler, softer, and most importantly, smarter, so we can quickly make America great again. You gotta love the inclusiveness. That is a very inclusive Mother's Day message. Meanwhile, Governor DeSantis put out a picture of him with Casey and their three kids, and uh, it says, "Madison, Mason, and Mamie are lucky to have the best mother in the world, Casey DeSantis. Thank you for all that you do for our family. We love you very much." A little contrast there. Little contrast. By the way, I should point out at this point that Casey DeSantis is going to be is going to be DeSantis' best surrogate on the on the campaign trail. She really is quite good at the retail politics of it which is really quite charming, and uh, that's going to be an asset for DeSantis. Listen, does that mean that DeSantis has an advantage? Of course not. Trump is the frontrunner. There's no question that Trump is the frontrunner. By every available poll, Trump is the frontrunner. Does it mean that his support is quite as solid as some people have made it out to be or that the race is over? The race hasn't even started yet. It hasn't even started yet, and DeSantis going to Iowa while Trump didn't and receiving a pretty warm welcome there demonstrates that we are, in fact, going to have a primary, and the primary is going to begin with Ron DeSantis actually aggressively attacking some of the failures of the Trump administration. Well, the weekend, of course, also marked Mother's Day. I have a joke that I tweet now every Mother's and Father's Day. It's the same joke every single Mother's and Father's Day until the left can actually answer a very simple question. The joke is happy legal guardian of unspecified gender day. I tweet every Mother's and Father's Day, and I will do so until the left can explain why children need fathers, why children need mothers, and why they are distinct from one another. The left has no answer to this, so I'll continue to tweet that joke. Forever, apparently. So it was Mother's Day. And again, the left is now coming to grips with the fact that they're not actually allowed to say that motherhood is good, because to say motherhood was good might imply that women have special skills that men do not have, and vice versa. And we can't have that. We can't have that. So instead, CNN is promoting the idea that single motherhood, is like the best version of motherhood, not because that way you don't have to worry about mother-father distinctions. It's just one parent. You have the Washington Post promoting a different kind of Mother's Day. Why can't we just promote like the idea that moms are good and moms do things that dad don't? But we, we can't do that for obvious reasons. We now live in a culture in which we have to pretend that men can be women and women can be men, which is how you end up with this absurdity. A man on Mother's Day tick himself and talking about how his child came in and wished him a happy Mother's Day, which is perverse and disgusting and horrifying. And thanks for... Screwing your child beyond all recognition.
2: On Mother's Day, I think it's important to remember that trans women can be mothers, too. And this morning, my son remembered. And he woke me up with my first Mother's Day in person with my son. And he made me a card. And it's really cute, y'all. It's a fish, but it opens up. And says, happy Mother's Day. And this
0: has just been the most wonderful day. Well, ever since you pushed that child out through your urethra, it's been a, an amazing Mother's Day. And I'm just, this is the world in which we have decided to, uh, to live. The, well well done, everyone. Meanwhile, the Washington Post has other ways of celebrating Mother's Day because, uh, listen, we have to make sure that we recensor the marginalized. And what that means is marginalizing the center. Not everybody can can be in the center at the same time. On Mother's Day, we can't actually center moms, you know, like biological women who have children. We can't do that. We have to recenter people who are who are marginalized. And that means that The Washington Post has a piece on Mother's Day titled The Mothers of Queer Culture Reflect on Their Moms. Oh, the mothers, the, the mothers of queer culture. Oh, amazing. For many queer people, Mother's Day is not just a celebration of mothers, but of mothers in scare quotes the artists, mentors, and cultural icons inspired by LGBTQ ballroom culture who champion individuality despite pressure to conform. The term has lately caught on in internet culture with TikTokers and tweeters dubbing Beyonce and Madonna mothers. Uh-huh. But mother actually goes back much further to queer black and Latin subcultures in the 1960s. And it resonates especially for queer communities of color where black transgender mothers often nurtured young people whose biological parents shut them out. See, on Mother's Day, we're not celebrating your biological mom who brought you into the world and actively led you to be a civilized human being in consonance with both your biology and the societal institutions around you. No, we are going to celebrate men who say that they are mothers or people who are not your mother who also led you to ignore the roles and responsibilities your parents tried to teach you. Those are your real mothers. See, the best mothers are the mothers who don't mother at all. The best mothers are people who have nothing to do with motherhood. The best mothers are just left-wing fanatics who are gender non-normative. Those are the best mothers. And so there's an entire article about Beyonce and the Bay Hive. Ooh, and Miss Lawrence, the actor and social advocate, Miss Lawrence Balenciaga, Real Housewives of Atlanta, reflected on the lessons their mother taught them as a black, gay, gender nonconforming person, speaking to the Washington Post. She didn't always agree with who I was and how I presented, but that didn't change the way she loved me, said Balenciaga, who leads as a mother in their queer ballroom chapter in Atlanta. I have found the most strength through black women. Ugh, just the magic. Ugh, the magic. Lady Gaga is a mother. Uh, This is is, because, again, to actually reward mothers, to, to talk about mothers on Mother's Day might be gender normative. We can't do that. CNN went a different direction. They went with, let us now praise single moms. And in this piece, they just decided to lie. They say that children are at some sort of advantage growing up with a single mom, which is absolutely untrue by every verifiable piece of data. Roughly 24 million, or one third of all American children under age 18, are living with an unmarried parent, according to a 2018 Pew Research Analysis of U.S. Census Bureau data. 81% of those single parent homes are headed by a mom. This has been a growing trend since the 1960s. Yet despite growing up in the middle of this trend in the 1970s and 80s, when divorce was increasingly common and Kramer-like, Kramer versus Kramer felt like a documentary, I was, I confess, embarrassed to be raised by a single mom when I was growing up. Like most kids, I didn't want to be different. I was embarrassed by our car, embarrassed that we didn't seem to go anywhere for vacation. I was embarrassed that my dad never came to any school events. And then the entire article is about how children of single moms report more family distressing and conflict and live at lower socioeconomic status. But, but, if you look at the long-term effects of single parenthood on kids, it had nearly no impact on their general life satisfaction. Well, um, actively... I mean, just speaking in terms of the data, there is no data proving the superiority or equality of life outcomes for people who grew up with a single mom on a general or average level versus people who grow up with two parents in the home. But we have to, on Mother's Day, we have to pretend that you don't need a mother and a father. See, the, the whole point of Mother's Day is that it's distinctive from Father's Day. They imply each other. But we have to pretend, again, that none of that is reality. This is the world in which we have uh, we have chosen to live. So well, great job on everybody for wrecking Mother's Day completely. I I really appreciate the left for at least now, year on year, they're becoming more honest. Now they're admitting that they want men to be moms, and that mom has no meaning, just like the word boy and girl, these words have no meanings. A mom is anyone who believes they are a mom or whatever the nonsense is. So good, at least uh, points for honesty. Okay, time for some things that I like. Alrighty, so thing that I like today. So there's a story in the Washington Post and it's kind of an amazing story. It's a story in which the Washington Post learns that guns are good but only if black people are using using, learning to use them responsibly. So if you are a law-abiding gun owner and you have a gun and you've learned to use it, you're a bad person, according to the Washington Post, generally speaking. You're a threat to the country. You're a threat to school children. You're a threat to everybody. However, there's an article over at the Washington Post, and it's called Carrying a Bible and a Gun, A Pastor Tends to an Unsettled New Orleans. And what's funny about these sorts of articles is that the left constantly trots out these articles, expecting the right to be angry about them. Be like, oh my, you mean black people have guns? Good, they should. (laughs) I don't understand what's the problem. It's good. So this article is actually super pro-gun. The article is about a pastor named Isaiah Stewart. He said he had long ago lost count of the number of funerals he's presided over as he has sought to bring comfort to a city stricken by a cycle of gun violence that seems never ending. Just when you think it's hit this level of bad, really bad, somehow it gets worse, Stewart said on a recent afternoon. You pray to find the words. Sometimes it's hard to know what to say anymore. The next morning, Stewart would officiate at a memorial for a 19-year-old teenager who'd been shot and killed. So what exactly did the pastor do? Well, he realized that it wasn't enough to teach people not to be violent. He realized that he actually had to teach people in his constituency to learn to use guns responsibly so they could defend themselves. Stewart already had a concealed carry permit, but didn't have a gun in the car. He escaped by opening a door at one point because he was, somebody tried to carjack him. He punched the gas and knocked down young assailants, but he said it was a moment of clarity. It wasn't enough to simply own a gun or have that weapon in an accessible place. He needed to learn how to use it. Shortly after, he went to a local gun range to practice shooting. I was like the only black man there, Stuart recalled. One day, a man in a jacket covered with Confederate flag patches approached him. Stuart braced for a confrontation, but instead, the man offered advice on his form. I realized this was kind of breaking racial barriers. This white guy talking to a black guy about guns, he recalled. Again, it is amazing how the Washington Post just doesn't understand any of this. It's like like Steve Irwin reporting from Australia on some weird species of animal. Oh, you mean like, There are people who like guns in their black and white, and they get along? Just exploding all of the narratives the Washington Post usually pushes. Stewart thought about other black people who own guns, but didn't have a license or know how to properly use them, perhaps intimidated by what he describes as a white male-dominated gun industry. Over time, Stewart became a licensed firearms instructor. When demand for guns skyrocketed during the pandemic, he began to see teaching people about guns as part of his calling as a pastor. Gun violence is deadly, Stewart said, but so is having a gun you don't know how to properly use. Now, at least one Saturday a month inside the small chapel, Stuart presides over a separate ministry that takes up more of his time. He teaches beleaguered New Orleans residents how to obtain a concealed weapons permit and use a gun. Stuart says, I know people will say, why is this happening in a church? But if you read the Bible, Jesus told the disciples to protect themselves. And to me, as a pastor, I'm to look after people. That's what I'm doing, helping people who want to protect themselves. This is this is great. Good for him. Good for him. And the fact is that it's the left-wing push in places like New Orleans that has defenestrated the police, defanged them, made them unable to actually protect people. And so the Second Amendment is even more important for law-abiding Black people in New Orleans who are being victimized by crime. Good for this Black pastor. I just love that the media are so puzzled by all of this. None of this is puzzling. It all makes perfect sense. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So, exciting news. Even the smallest children's shows are now going to promote trans nonsense. Apparently, Blue's Clues. You know, like the show for three to five-year-olds? Apparently, they are now promoting pride nonsense. Apparently, they've put out graphics. This is circa, like, 2021. They put out graphics of characters from Blue's Clues carrying gay pride flags. One of the beavers on Blue's Clues has had a top surgery. So, first of all, beavers don't have two nipples. I mean... It's weird that we're now supposed to talk about beaver nipples, but that's where we are as a society. But apparently, beavers trans themselves. Now, I have a a little secret for you. Beavers don't actually do that. That's not a thing. But um, according to the people who make Blue's Clues, according to everybody who makes children's TV these days, it is necessary to push trans on the kids. Very, very important. And so that's why you're finding this sort of stuff in Transformers, as we talked about last week, or finding it on Blue's Clues. You cannot allow your kids to watch children's TV. You can't. Don't let your kids watch children's TV without pre-screening the shows. Don't do it. Or alternatively, go subscribe to Daily Wire Plus. The kids' content is coming. I know, I know. Everybody keeps asking when. The answer is soon. I promise I'll let you know as soon as we have it ready, but it's going to be amazing. Let us pre-screen the content for you, and that way your kids can watch stuff without worrying about whether a beaver is going to have his, her breasts removed or some such nonsense on Blue's Clues. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. Apparently, Men's Health is now featuring a woman. Elliot Page, if you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free...